I used to think in sixth grade that scooters were really cool. And I'm not sure how I ever thought that. Do you guys know what Razor scooters are? Like, do, you, do they still have them? Right? I got a photo for you guys. Right? You weren't cool in sixth grade unless you had a Razor scooter just like that, right? Me and my boys, we used to hang out and ride around the block with our Razor scooters, and we used to do tricks and stuff. Like, I don't know how you think you're cool on a Razor scooter, but I definitely thought I was, and we would do all these insane things, and our motto was, we're here for a good time, not a long time, you know, right? We didn't care what we did. If we got hurt, we were living our best life out there. I remember one time I was out with my buddies and we went to the park because that's what we did. And we had all of our pads on just like that. We passed some kids that were on a bike. And I was like, yo, what's up, loser? We're on scooters. What's up, right? Talking trash to kids on bikes. And then there were some girls at the park. So, you know, we were trying to stunt on it, right? So we were doing our tricks, acting all cool. And I fell, right? And I scraped my knees really bad. And that's like one of the worst pains ever, right? Have you guys ever done that? Just hit the road really hard and it just tears up your skin. I remember being in so much pain, but I was like, you know, you got to play it cool because the girls are watching. So I stood back up and I was like, yo, I like pain. What's up ladies, right? And so I just kept going, but I remember it hurt so bad. And we've been talking about pain in this series. And last week we talked about how we all face it at different times in our life. And we looked at John chapter 15 and we saw this that God leverages our pain to develop us into our purpose. And one day there won't be any pain anymore. When we finally meet Jesus and we pass from this life to the next, he will wipe every tear from our eyes and everything will be made perfect. But until then, we will not let pain define our life. And I hope that you guys really made a change in your life when it came to pain. And it can sound easy, right? This guy up here tells you guys how to live and how to act. But when real life hits, it can be really difficult. And more than just tell you what God's word has to say about it, I want to show you someone's life. Someone who lived through some extremely painful things. Because when you just talk about it, it's easy. But when you actually see that a real person went through all these things and was able to overcome them by God's power, it builds hope in your heart in a new way. Because no, there's no doubt in my mind that some of you guys went home and you were super encouraged after last week. But Saturday hit and Sunday and Monday and it just felt like every day got tougher and you just felt like everything you heard last Friday just washed away because your pain was so overwhelming. And that's why I want to go back into this. Because sometimes it's a process. Sometimes things need to get worse before they get better. Do you guys ever get like a really bad cut and then you have to put peroxide on it and it stings so bad? Is it weird that I kind of like that? I think it's kind of weird, right? And so you pour that peroxide on and it hurts so bad and it almost doesn't make sense. Why would something that's supposed to heal me give me so much pain in that moment? And sometimes in life, it is the same exact way. We have to open up wounds and we need to pour some peroxide, so to speak, on that wound and really let it heal. And for some of you guys, it's gonna take some time. It might, may not happen immediately, but I promise God wants to heal these wounds that are so deep in your heart. 
I was thinking about the most painful moment I've ever had at Green Room. Um, it was at a pool party a couple of years ago, and all the guys were wrestling in the pool. And, of course, I was wrestling the biggest kid. And it was like he hadn't clipped his nails in, like, a couple of months, right? Homie had nails, like, out to here. And he decided that he was going to scratch my neck. And he scratched it from all the way to the front, all the way to the back, in, like, a perfect circle. And it stung so completely bad. I have a photo for you guys of what it looked like, right? It was so bad. I had a family party the next day, and everyone was like, yo, is is Joey okay? Like, why is there a ring around his neck like that, right? Everyone's like whispering about me. And so that was a really painful experience that I went through. And some of you guys are facing really painful moments right now. And maybe you weren't here last week. And so this all just feels a little bit new for you. And I want to bring up a new point that we didn't talk about last week. One of the reasons why God will allow pain into our lives is so we can help other people. What if you could save a ton of people if you were just willing to suffer a little bit? I think most of us, if we really thought about that, would be willing to take on some pain if we knew it would help other people in their journey. And we're going to look at a story in just a little bit of someone who suffered a whole lot. And God had an amazing plan for them. And he wanted to protect and help so many other people. And in order for that to happen, he had to suffer a whole lot. What if some of the things that you are going through right now or because God wants you to help so many other people in your life. It's not because he's angry at you or he's mad. It's because he wants you to be able to handle the significance, the burden, and the weight of the dream that he has placed in your heart. And sometimes there's pain that needs to come into our lives in order for us to really handle that dream that God has placed in our lives. And sometimes it just straight up hurts. Is there anything worse than waiting? I really hate waiting a whole lot. Um, I am also the children's pastor at this church. And I met my boy Nico in 22-6 Kids, which is our children's ministry. And this was like probably about five, six years ago. It was a long time ago. And after every service, I would ask the kids if there was anything I could pray about for them. And every, every week, Nico asked me the same exact question. He said, can you pray that my stuffed animal will come in? I ordered it from China, and it still hasn't come in yet, right? And me and the rest of the kids, we prayed every single week for Nico's stuffed animal. And it seemed like it was never coming. Eventually, it got to the point where I was like, yo, bro, I don't know how to tell you this. But they ain't sending you your stuffed animal. Like, it is not happening. Like, toughen up. Life stinks sometimes. Welcome to the real world, right? And no joke, about six months later, after me and Nico had that conversation, he came into 22.6, and he was so excited, right? We had a praise party because that stuffed animal, not actually, we had a praise party, right? (laughs) That'd be really weird. And he was just so excited about it, right? And I looked at him, and I was like, yo, I think someone hand-delivered that, walked it all the way from China to your front door because it took that long. But I remember him just being so happy. But waiting can be so extremely painful, especially when you're waiting on a promise or you're waiting for God to bring breakthrough in your life or you're waiting for this pain to finally go away. Waiting can be the worst, but God 
so desperately wants to develop patience in us because he knows it's for our good. And so we're going to be in Genesis chapter 37, starting in verse 3. This is what it says. Now, Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph's dad loved him more than any of his other brothers. He loved him the best. He loved him so much, he went out and got him that jacket from Gucci, right? It was fly. It looked so good. His brothers were wearing Aeropostel. I don't even know if that's still a store, but he was walking around in straight Gucci, and his brothers hated him because of it. People like to tell me a lot that I love one of my kids more than the other, but it's just simply not true because I don't even know who they always are, so there's no way that I could love one more than the other. But I can just imagine the pain this caused this family. And maybe some of you can relate. Maybe some of you know what it's like for your parent to love your siblings more than you. And I think It killed his brothers to know so openly that their father loved Joseph more than them. And I think that created a lot of pain in their life. And when you don't deal with pain in your life, it will lead you to do some really messed up things. And in just a couple of verses, we're going to see these guys do some really horrible things. This is what it says in verse 5. Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream. And what he had said. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. And so Joseph was just straight swagging on his brothers, right? He comes to them with this dream that God has placed in his heart. And I think that Joseph had some issues in his life that God needed to deal with before this dream came into place. And he shares this with his brothers, and they are so incredibly angry. Not only does he have the coat, but now he's going to rule over us? Who does he think he is? Guys, it's so important that you share your dream that God has placed in your heart with the right people. It's not meant for everyone. Because people will hate you for the vision that God has placed in your life. They will get jealous of it and they will say mean things to you because of it. And so important that you share it with an inner group of people that you can really trust. If not, you'll get a similar reaction to Joseph and what he was going through right here. Even his dad was upset with him because this vision and this dream was so incredibly big and they were blinded by their jealousy and their anger. And maybe it was a little immature for Joseph to even share this 
Maybe they weren't ready to hear this just yet. But this dream is going to set up everywhere that we are going. So let's look at this next verse. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. But they saw him in the distance. And before he reached them, they plotted to kill him. Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dream. When Reuben heard this, he tried to rescue him from their hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the wilderness, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. Yo, Reuben is a real one. All his brothers are trying to kill him, but Reuben has this plan to try and save his brother. And they are setting him up for some amazing pain. They just want him out of his life. And the first kind of pain that we've been working through so far that I think a lot of you can relate to is rejection. No one likes to be rejected. His brothers feel so much pain because of the rejection from their father. And I've never met anyone in my whole life that said, you know, I'm so glad that these people really hate me. Or I'm so glad I didn't get invited to that party. No, there is just a part of us that wants to be liked. But here's a news flash. Not everyone is going to like you in your life. People are going to reject you. Jesus was rejected by almost everyone he came into contact with, but he didn't let that stop him from fulfilling the dream that God had for him. It didn't stop God's plan over his life. And you can't let the pain of rejection stop you because you are still called and you are still chosen and God will do some amazing things through your life if you don't give in to rejection. And here they are planning to get rid of him. And so as this happens, he probably feels so rejected by everything that is going on. This is what it says in verse 23. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the ornate robe he was wearing, and they took him and threw him into the cistern. The cistern was empty. There was no water in it, and they sat down to eat their meal. They looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming to Gilead. The camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain if we kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come, let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His brothers agreed. So they no longer decide to kill him. They now sell him into slavery and he is bought by someone named Potiphar and he gains favor in Potiphar's house. And we're gonna, gonna skip through this story a little bit just because it'd be a lot of verses for us to read tonight. But he gains this favor and Potiphar puts him as second in command of his house and he's in charge of everything. And so Joseph is probably filled with so many different emotions. He knows that his own brothers have just sold him into slavery. He's probably so brokenhearted. It would be so easy for him to turn his back on God in these moments. To say, God, why would you allow this pain into my life? I can't see a purpose behind all of this. But Joseph 
decides to still honor God with his life. And because of that, God gives him favor in Potiphar's house. And so we got to read these next verses to see what happens to Joseph. So we're going to jump to Genesis 39, and this is what it says. Now Joseph was well-built and handsome. Hello. And after a while, his master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, come to bed with me. She just skipped everything. She's like, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by the cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. Guys, here's Joseph and he is set up all again. Here is another test and he does the right thing. Joseph runs away. Day after day, this woman was tempting him. Some of you know the pain of constant temptation in your life. And that can be overwhelming. This woman, every single day, came to him and said the same exact thing. And I think that's part of the reason why he runs away and leaves his cloak behind. Because he knew that he needed to get out of this situation immediately. I think we look at this and go, oh man, Joseph was so holy, right? He was so righteous. He didn't give in to this. No, this was probably a real struggle for Joseph. But he made a decision in his heart to honor God. And he was going to run out of that moment of temptation because he wasn't going to let anyone or anything stop the dream that God had placed in his heart. And you and I need to be the same exact way. We cannot give in to those temptations because it only will create more pain in our lives. And when we do fall into temptations, God does give us grace, but it sets us back. It makes our time of waiting longer. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to wait any longer. I want to learn the first time And I want to step into the fullness of what God has called me to. And so Joseph does the right thing here. Let's look and see what happens in verse 16. She kept his cloak beside her until the master came home. Then she told him this story. That Hebrew slave you brought us came to me to make sport of me. But as soon as I screamed for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. When his master heard the story, his wife told him, saying, this is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined. Joseph goes from pain to pain. It reminds me last week in John chapter 15, where we talked about the reward for being faithful, for doing the right thing, is getting pruned more. That's how God treats us when we do the right thing. It's to take us even deeper into pain sometimes, so we can become even more fruitful. That's exactly what happens right here to Joseph. He goes from being sold into slavery now 
to being thrown into jail. But he did all the right things. Where is God in all of this? If this is you and me, we look at the situation at this point and go, God has given up on me. Or we go, God isn't real. There's no way he could let someone he loves suffer like this. But that's not Joseph's attitude. He chooses to look at this completely different. So let's look at this next verse now. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all those held in the prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. God gives him favor every step of the way, even though he is in prison. And when you submit to God in your waiting period, in the painful moments in your life that hurt so bad, God will give you favor. And people around you will notice a difference about your life. Everywhere Joseph went, people noticed something about him. So here he is in prison. Now he runs this prison, basically. And I just picture Joseph in prison getting, like, really jacked because that's what people do in prison. Like, they're just bench pressing all day, right? And he makes some friends. He makes friends with a cupbearer and a baker. And one day they're just, the Bible doesn't say this, one day they're just pumping some weight, right? And they look at each other and like, yo, why are you here, man? And he's like, ah, oh, I don't even know. I'm innocent. And the baker says the same thing. Yeah, I'm innocent too. And Joseph's like, yeah, I'm innocent. All right, yo, we're all innocent. We got to get out of here. And if we ever do get out of here, let's remember each other. And maybe they like, oh, bro, hugged it. I hope not. But maybe they did right after that. And they're like, yeah, we'll be best buds. And when we get out of here, we will remember each other. And then a couple of days later, both these men have a dream. And the cupbearer tells Joseph, yo, the craziest thing happened to me last night. I had this really weird dream. And Joseph tells him, you know what? I'm pretty good at telling people what their dreams mean. He's like, all right, I'll tell you. Tells him the dream. And Joseph takes it all in. And he says, all right, your dream means in three days you will be released from this prison. And Pharaoh will make you cup, his cupbearer again. And he's like, awesome. That sounds so good. And then the baker, he overhears everything that's going on. And is like, you know what? I'll tell him my dream too. And so the baker tells him his dream. And Joseph's like, oh, bro, I don't know how to tell you this, but in three days, the king's going to cut off your head. And the baker's like, go on, Joseph. That's really funny. Sure enough, three days later, baker's head is gone. Cupbearer is back in charge. And guess what? He forgets all about Joseph. Joseph stays in that prison cell, even though they had made an agreement that if anyone ever got out, they would tell Pharaoh that they were all innocent. And so Joseph probably was so discouraged at this point. His pain was probably so overwhelming. Some of you have been suffering for a really long time. It feels like there is no end in sight to what you are going through. And you just want to find a moment of relief can I just encourage you right now to keep going to God, to not give up, 
because you don't know when your breakthrough is coming. It could be right on the other side of a year or two years or maybe even longer. Maybe it's a week or a day. I don't know how long it is for you. I just know you can't give up. You need to keep trusting him because eventually your breakthrough will happen. And we were just in Genesis 39. And now we jump to Genesis 41. This is a couple of years later. And this is what happens. Verse 8. In the morning, his mind was troubled. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. So Pharaoh has this dream, and he is so troubled by it. And he brings together all the wise people, everyone he trusts in his kingdom. And not a single person can explain the dream. And then the cupbearer remembers Joseph and how he told him the meaning of his dream. And they go and they get Joseph out of prison. And they bring Joseph right before Pharaoh. And this is what happens. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, In my dream, I was standing on the bank of the Nile, when out of the river there came up seven cows, fat and sleek, and they grazed among the reeds. After them, seven other cows came up, scrawny and very ugly and lean. I had never seen such ugly cows in all of the land of Egypt. The lean, ugly cows ate up the seven fat cows that came up first. But even after they ate them, no one could tell what they had done. So they looked up just as ugly as before. Then I woke up. In my dream, I saw seven heads of grain, full and good, growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads sprouted, withered and thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one in the same dream. The seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years, and so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are seven years of famine. And so Joseph explains this dream perfectly, and he tells Pharaoh, you know what? Here's a great idea. Here's what you need to do, Pharaoh. For seven years, you need to store all of the grain because those years, there's gonna be surplus. There's gonna be more than enough for everyone. So let everyone eat their full, but let's also store grain so when the famine hits, we will be okay. Pharaoh is so impressed with Joseph that he makes him second in command once again. Here's Joseph finally on the other side of his suffering. You guys need to understand this. Joseph was 17 when he was sold by his brothers. He is now probably about 30 years old. He suffered for 13 years with no hope. It seemed like every day was getting worse than the last, but Joseph never let it change his attitude. 
He believed that God had given him a dream and he wasn't going to let anything stop him from walking into that dream. No matter how much pain came into his life, no matter how much suffering he had to endure, no matter how many nights he had to stare up at the sky or the top of his prison cell and wonder if there was ever going to be breakthrough, he didn't give up. Trusted God every step of the way, and he finally is starting to see the vision unfold that he saw when he was just 17 years old. And he had to suffer a whole bunch before he stepped into this because God knew that there were some things inside of Joseph that he needed to deal with in order for him to really be second in command, for him to walk in the fullness of his calling. And that's the same for you guys. Sometimes we need to suffer a little bit so we can really walk into that dream that God has placed in our hearts. It's not always easy, but it's always worth it when we choose to trust him in the middle of our pain. And so sure enough, after the seven good years, seven years of famine hit right after that. And during year three, Joseph's family is having a really hard time back home. And his dad sends out some of his brothers to go to Egypt and see if they can give us any food because they were starving. And so they send three of the brothers and they come into the presence of Egypt and little do they know, they come right before Joseph. And as they enter the kingdom, and they enter Joseph's presence, they bow at his feet, and they can't recognize him. But Joseph recognizes him, his brothers kneeling at his feet. And I think Joseph was like, I knew it. Like, that was my vision all along. Like, this is happening right now. I wasn't crazy. When you wait for a long time, it can feel like you're going crazy. When you're enduring so much pain, but Joseph thought back to that dream when he was just a 17-year-old boy and it had come true in this moment. And he plays some tricks on them to try and get the whole family to come back because he doesn't want to just reveal himself to just his couple of brothers. He wants everyone there. And eventually they all come back. And I think that this might have been Joseph's greatest test. Because there was probably so much anger in his heart. There probably was a little bit of bitterness and unforgiveness that wanted to grab a hold of him. Instead of letting that take root in his life, because when you suffer deeply, it's so easy to give into bitterness towards God, towards other people. Joseph overcomes this temptation too. And when his whole family is brought before them, he tells them who he really is and he forgives all of them and they embrace and all is forgiven. And Joseph says something so incredibly powerful, something that I come back to time and time again in my life, something that has shaped the way that I see pain and suffering. And I wanna read to you guys this verse. This is what it says in Genesis chapter 50, verse 19. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? 
You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. To accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. All the harm that the enemy has tried to bring into your life, all the harm that people intended for you, God in his foreknowledge, in his great power, saw all of that. And he decided that I will turn everything that is coming for evil in their life, every bad thing that would try and ruin them and destroy them, I will use it for good. Joseph had to save many lives, but in order for him to get there, he had to suffer. And God knew from the very beginning, when he first got that dream as a 17-year-old boy, that there was a famine coming some 30 years later, or so to speak, right? So the famine is coming later, and God saw it every step through, and so it looked like his brothers had caused all this pain in his life. It looked like the devil was winning and destroying God's plan for his life, but really, God was guiding every step that Joseph was taking. And he had to suffer so that so many other people could live. What if you're suffering for the same reason? What if God knows the only way to save some family members in your life is for you to go through some difficult things? And that's not an easy thing to hear. I'm not telling you that you should just get a huge smile on and pretend like your pain isn't real. No, your pain is real. And you bring it to God and he will heal those wounds deep inside of you. But what if there is a purpose for it? Even if you can't see it right now, even if it doesn't make sense. I'm sure Joseph felt that way sometimes. But he trusted God every step of the way and everything that the enemy had intended for evil, God meant for good. What does God know about earthly pain anyway? Have you ever thought about that? Like why does he let us suffer so much? Does he know what it feels like to be a human and be rejected and be cursed at, be lied to, betrayed, suffer the pain of sin. Jesus knows what it's like because he walked this earth as one of us, fully God and fully man. And he suffered in every way that you and I did. He was betrayed, he was mocked, he was called a liar. People rejected him in every way. They thought he was crazy. He never sinned, but he carried the full weight of our sin and the pain of it. And he endured it anyway because he knew that God had something so amazing for all of us. And everything that the enemy intended for evil for Jesus, he deep down knew that God intended it for good. And one day it would save the whole world. Guys, don't give up in the middle of your pain. Here's what I want you to remember. You don't have to let pain write the narrative of your life. You don't have to. There is another option. There is another choice. We see that in Joseph's life. We see that in Jesus's life. And one day, all things will be made right. But you can still choose choice. A joy. You can still choose peace in the middle of everything that you're going through right now because Jesus is our hope and in him all things are healed and made well.
Let me pray for you guys. Thank you so much for your great love. Thank you, God, that everything that has been intended for our bad and for our harm, you have turned it for our good. There is nothing that stands against us today, God, that you aren't over or in control of. I pray for people who are just really confused. They're overwhelmed. It feels like there is no end in sight for their suffering. I pray that you would give them hope like never before, that they would learn from Joseph's story, God. I pray that healing would come quick, but if it doesn't, I pray that your peace and your joy would rush in, that even in the middle, they would be able to praise, that they'd be able to surrender their life fully to you, God, and know what it's like to believe in the middle of a storm and still have joy. God, I pray that you would heal deep wounds tonight. Scars on hearts that feel like they are never going to heal. I pray, Jesus, that you would just wipe over them tonight with your love. I pray that hope would rise in this place like never before. Thank you, God, for all that you have done for us, that you are fighting our battles today that we aren't alone in everything we face. God, I pray that you would show some people the reason why that they have suffered for so long. I pray that many would come to know you because of the people in this room and their testimonies. God, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. And I pray, God, that Long Island would be changed because of the people in this room because of the things that they have endured. And I pray that we would see you heal our hearts and other people's. That we would see the fullness of your power, God, at work in our lives every single day. Love you, Jesus. Know that you are here and that you are working. We pray this all in your name.